but within a couple of weeks, I'm sure I can find another job. Um, but it was actually my wife that convinced me, hey, you've been given a gift here. All of a sudden, you have a bunch of time on your hands. We're fine financially, right? I had my severance package. She had a good job. She's like, uh, you were kind of coasting the last few years. I'd love to see you try and do something. Bet on yourself. This is Wake Up and Lead, a daily podcast where ambitious young professionals learn to lead themselves. I'm your host, Hampton Dorch. If you have been with me over the last couple of weeks, you've found that I have transitioned into doing a daily podcast. I will be doing that through at least episode 200. We are trying this out. I prefer consuming content in smaller bite-sized learning opportunities, and so the episodes are going to be around five minutes. Now, this episode, because it's a guest, will be longer, and on Fridays, I'm going to be having a guest, so that will be longer. So as a reminder, Sunday is faith, Monday is family, and then fitness, then future, then fellowship, then Friday guests, then findings from my guests. That's the framework I'm following through at least 200 episodes. And today is my Friday guest, and his name is Dennis Geeland. And I actually recorded this before I was doing this new framework. And so it's a little bit different than the ones will be in the future. However, I thought it was really good and I still want you all to hear from it. Normally what I'll do is I'm going to ask my guests to pick three of the five F's, if you will, that I'm talking about, whichever they feel like talking about, whichever they feel most confident or educated in, they're going to talk about those three for the most part. Now, I was not able to do that with Dennis, but I think as you listen, you will see that there's there's three main ones that he focuses on. He might touch on all of them a little bit. He might focus on one more than another, but I think we can learn from him uh, in at least three of these Fs. And in my recap episode, I will share what I thought about those, but lots to learn from Dennis Geelan. Let's hop in. Welcome to the Wake Up and Lead podcast. My guest today is someone that I've certainly learned a lot from, uh, more from afar, but we have him close up in person kind of or over a screen today. And I'm confident that uh, myself as well as you will learn a lot from him about a lot of different things. So Dennis Geelan, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Hampton. Yeah. So some of the research that I've done, I, I've, I was looking at your story and it looks like you had you know quite a career, maybe a couple decades in in corporate, where you've got different leadership roles and everything like that. But then, but then out of nowhere, um, I don't want to. I want you to tell the story, but I, I feel like something happened. There was this big shift where maybe you got laid off or something like that that really brought yeah. you into your journey today. Can you just tell us a little bit about about that? Yeah, exactly. It 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 did come out of left field in one sense, but in another sense. I, if looking back, I would say I was I was probably kind of coasting at that point. I had I kind of checked a lot of the check boxes right earlier mm. in, in my life and my career. Got got the degree, got the job, got the house, got the family. You know, kind of moved my way up into different leadership roles, and then I I probably got to this point where I was kind of like, okay, this is it. I guess yeah. I've I've done it. You know, I'm I'm in my late 30s, early 40s at this point, and it was kind of like, okay, I guess I've checked all the check boxes. I I just coast from here on in. So, in one sense, the layoff was a complete shock and came out of left field. But in another sense, it was a great wake up call that hey, mm. you got a lot of life left to live. Life is not about checking check boxes. You know, put your boots on, roll up your sleeves. Let's let's try something here and and let's bet on yourself. So. Mm. And I bet, I bet, I don't want to speak for you, but looking back, you're probably glad that you weren't just like, what if, what if you just coasted for, from 40 years old to 65, 
I wonder I, what your life would look like. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I I would assume that probably on my own, I would have got the itch and would have eventually done something about it. But uh, maybe not, you know, that when you're lulled into that sense of safety and security, you don't have to. It's a lot different than all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in and uh, mm. you're kind of forced to do something. So I was in retrospect, it was a, it was a, a happy accident that was, a, you know, a, a nice uh, breath of fresh air, I guess. All right, you said it. That was one of my questions. Happy accident. I love hearing you talk about this. I feel like this is something you're pretty passionate about. What what in the world is a happy accident? Yeah, so I do talk about this quite a bit. I've got the happy accidents newsletter, but it's basically, you know, unintentionally, you stumble across something uh, accidentally by maybe it's chance encounter, maybe it's serendipity, maybe it's, you know, predestined, who knows, but you weren't planning for it. And it ends up being something amazing that uh, as long as you have the courage and the openness to run with it and capitalize on it, it could take your life in a completely different direction that you didn't expect, but maybe an amazing one, right? So mm. for me, that was the layoff. And I'm sure we'll dive into what happened, what did I do? But there's so many amazing stories out there of people that just accidentally stumbled across something. And the success they found or the things that it brought them, or the paths it took them on were just amazing, happy accidents. So. Yeah. And, and I would guess, may, maybe you've talked a little bit about this. There's probably happy accidents all around us, but some people maybe aren't looking for them. I feel like I've seen you talk about you've got to have yeah. an eye out and then be willing yes. to, to kind of get yeah. uncomfortable and step into it. Courage. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I. In in my newsletter, I actually, after I'd probably written maybe a, a dozen or so of these stories, uh, I started to see this pattern. Okay, almost every happy accident story falls into this three-part script. First, the person was doing something. They were setting the stage, right? They weren't just sitting there on the couch and all of a sudden luck found them. Uh, they were getting out there. They were meeting people. They were trying things. They were testing different ideas. They were open. Um you know, really setting the stage, but didn't know what was going to happen. They probably had an idea. They probably had some sort of plan like, hey, I'm going to build this or do this. But then a happy accident lands in their lap. Because of all this work they were putting in, because of all the people they were meeting, all the ideas they were putting out there, something comes their way that they weren't expecting. Uh, they stumble across an invention, an idea, a partnership, something. But then step three is exactly as you said, they, they have to have the openness, the guts, the courage, and probably some skills to capitalize on it. And then mm. and you see, as you said, all the time, things land on people's lap and they don't do anything with it. Well, that was their opportunity, right? Maybe they did step one. They were putting themselves out there where they were generating all these ideas and something lands in their lap. But no, I'm going in this direction. I, I'm going to ignore that new, cool, awesome thing that just landed my way. I'm going here. Or I'm too scared to capitalize on it. Or I didn't see it at all because I was so busy with my head down over here. So all three of those things really have to happen in order for it to end up being a successful, you know, happy accident success story. Mm. And, and I bet the longer you 
keep on the golden handcuffs, if you will. Once you get into your late 30s, 40s, you got the job security, you're making money, it's easy to coast. Probably the harder it is to to take that step out in, in and have the courage and, and do the thing. And yeah. I wonder if there's a message for, for some of the younger folks uh, like myself listening here where obviously, you know, you, you may want to get a job and learn something, but but I have talked to some some older folks who have said, yeah, I'd, I kind of wish I would have been looking or wish I would have been a little bit more courageous earlier yeah. on. Do you see yeah. that as a theme? A hundred percent. And I have nothing against having a good corporate job uh, at all. Most people are going to go that route and, and they should. And it's going to you're going to learn a ton. You're going to get security. You're going to hopefully invest some money. Right. Uh, the problem I ran into was that's all I did. Mm-hmm. And I put 100% of my eggs in that basket and I got complacent. What I wish I had done was much earlier, done some sort of side hustle, something on the side where I learned a lot more about branding and marketing and how to, you know, package something and, and sell it. And, and But I, I tell people I, I never had an entrepreneurial bone in my body, I didn't think, for you know, the first 40 years of my life. Well, then all of a sudden when I was laid off, I had to jump in and learn all this stuff really quickly. So I would encourage anybody in their 20s, okay, you've got your corporate job, great. Now, what can you do on the side as well? Anything, like you've got a great podcast going. That's awesome. It doesn't interfere with your corporate job. In fact, it meshes nicely. Um, But who knows how many people you're going to get to talk to how many amazing ideas you're going to swap how many different potential new ideas or partnerships are going to come out of the fact that you've got this podcast right maybe it's a newsletter maybe it's a youtube channel maybe it's a side hustle as some sort of freelancer uh, doing something on the side but it's going to open up so many more doors and opportunities uh, that otherwise would be completely closed because okay got my corporate job i'm done mm. Yeah, I mean that that's a great point and I think a lot of times people may hear, "Oh, okay, start a side hustle." Like I I mean, I I don't have time for that or and you know, we we make time for what's important for us. But I think a lot of yes. people especially earlier on may not have a, a skill at, and and they don't know exactly what to do. But when you mentioned those three parts, something really stuck out to me. The first thing that you said was just you're out there, you're meeting people, you're testing things. Uh, a a way that I like that that I could put that is you are happy with the direction that things are going. And like an example for me is like you said, it's this podcast. It's I started this and and this is not to pat myself on the back. It, it, really, it actually was kind of a happy accident. If, if I look back at how it even started and I don't know exactly what this is leading to, but um, listener, I really hope that you learn from Dennis and I know that you will, but selfishly, it's like I'm having this conversation with you and I'm, I know I'm, learning from you and building and networking and who knows what that turns into. And so I think, you know, you don't have to start a massive like side Airbnb business. Um, yeah. a, a good start might just be figuring out a way to like network with more people or have like a few conversations yeah. a week and you never know what that could turn into. Yeah. And even Airbnb, that that's a great actual happy accident story. It's, it's actually coming up uh, in a couple of weeks in the newsletter, but they didn't start as a big thing either. It was, hey, we had an air bed. We had an air mattress. We needed to make our rent for this month. 
can we rent out this room with an air mattress and make a little money on the side? That's exactly how Airbnb started. And then wow. ideas grew from there and other things happened. And next thing you know, they became this platform. But originally it was, hey, we had an air bed, air mattress. How can we make some money off this extra room we have in our apartment? Now that is a happy accident right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, do you have a couple others off the top of your head? What are, what are some of your favorite happy accidents that you oh, talked yeah. about in your so, newsletter? So many. One of my favorite ones actually is Honda um, because today they're this massive player in you know the auto industry. The Honda Civic and the Honda Accord are probably two of the most well-known and, and widely bought and sold uh, sedans in the world. But back in the 60s, they were trying to break into the motorcycle industry. The big players at the time were like Harley Davidson and Triumph. And they had these big road bikes that were very popular. And you saw everybody riding around on, on their Harleys and their Triumphs. So Honda said, okay, we're going to go head to head. We're going to go right up against the big players. We're going to design our own big road bike. And we're going to start with California. We're going to target California. That's where we're going to infiltrate the market. And they came up with this massive marketing plan, spent all kinds of money on billboard ads, radio ads, posters, and they were just targeting California. And they had so many people on the ground working for Honda on this marketing plan that they had to get all around California to all these different meetings, making sure all the marketing was in place. Well, they gave all those employees these little tiny scooters to ride around on to make it easy. So they're bombing around California on these little scooters, making sure all the billboards and the ads and, you know, everything's in place. And what happens, uh, the, the road bikes tank. Hardly anybody buys them. The people that do don't like them. They're not the quality that they were expecting with uh, what they would get with uh, Harley Davidson or Triumph. But something strange happened. All these people were noticing all these little scooters bombing around California going, wow, what are those? Those are cool. <laughs> Where do I get one? And they start calling up like Sears and Eaton's and these catalogs. And they're like, hey, can we order one of these from you guys? Can we do this? And then Sears and Eaton's are like calling Honda going, hey, everybody wants to buy these little scooters. Like, can we sell them in our catalog? And at first, Honda was like, no, we're trying to sell this big road bike. This, that's our plan. That's our vision. And eventually they, you know, took notice of the signals and were like, man, we got to pivot here. Like, let's scrap, scrap the big road bike. People want these little scooters that we're bombing around on. Let's start pushing those. And complete happy accident. But that's what make them, made them take off. That's mm. what got them into the motorcycle industry. And that's, they, they grew from there. So I, I love that story because it shows that even though you're, you could be a large organization, the leadership at the top still has to be willing to pivot, take some risks, and, and listen to the market. And I think we see with a lot of large organizations nowadays, it's like, no, we spent our money and our effort on this big plan. We're sticking to this big plan. And Honda's where they, at, where they are at today because they didn't do that. They, they listened, they pivoted, and complete happy accident on how that turned out. Wow. I had no idea about that. And I like how you've talked about step number three is really, you brought up the word courage. You have to have the courage to, to step out and, and go do it. And I bet the larger the organization, like you said, 
the harder it is to have that courage, but also it probably requires a lot of humility too, because Honda could have yes. said, uh, like the people at the top could say, oh, we're Honda. Like we, we, we know what's best. And there's probably people that are one calling them, but on like the, the bottom level and the layers below saying, wait, I actually think that we have something here. And I mean, good for them that they stepped into it, but a lot of times yeah. they probably miss. Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it. Like the smaller you are, you're just starting out. Hey, you got nothing to lose. What's the risk? Let's try this. Let's listen to what our customers are talking about. Um, you're just trying to survive, right? But a larger organization, there's pride and there's, hey, we spent all this time and money on this plan. We're not changing. Uh, so kudos to Honda for actually having the courage to go, no, this is the right direction. Let's go for it. This is good. Hey, you're a, you're a great storyteller. You know, m maybe I need to memorize some of these and it can be like bedtime stories for my, for my <laughs> kids one day, if I want them to be like aspiring entrepreneurs or something. Um, <laughs> there you go. Just read them a different edition of the happy accidents newsletter every night at bed. There you go. You should turn it into a children's book. Now this could be a happy accident right here. I'm coming up with something on the fly. There uh, you go. There you go. See the what, children's edition. Yeah, you're right. Can you, can you fire off one more for us? Oh, tons. Yeah. So another good one would be Sarah Blakely with Spanx. Okay. So this one's yeah. an individual, right? Honda was a corporation. Here's Sarah Blakely. So she actually started off as a door-to-door -door, uh, salesman selling fax machines. That's where she cut her teeth. That's where she learned all about marketing and sales and how to be, you know, um, really courageous and get used to hearing no and really built up a lot of those skills that you need as an entrepreneur. So what, what happened with her was uh, the company that she was working for selling fax machines was having their holiday Christmas party. So she's getting all dressed up, putting on her favorite white pants, and she's like, oh, I, I, the undergarments that I have to wear under these don't look right. You know, you can see the lines, you can whatever, it just doesn't feel right. So she's scrambling and decides, I'm going to grab a, a pair of pantyhose and cut the feet off because the shoes I'm wearing are, you know, you're supposed to be able to see my feet, but the rest of the pantyhose is going to work perfectly for underneath this and loves it. It works out amazing. She starts telling her friends about it. She starts making some for her friends and then gets the idea like, wow, there's actually a product here. And with everything she learned about sales and marketing and persisting and how to be an entrepreneur, she turned that new product into what we know today as Spanx complete happy accident. She just kind of made these out of necessity for this holiday party. And now it's a multi-billion dollar company that she's built out of it. Goodness gracious. I mean, that, that's, that's super cool. I had no idea about, about that story either. I like the, I like how you talked about, she learned the sales and the marketing and everything before. That's one of the things that I've learned from, from having people on here and something I'm trying to do myself younger in my career is I don't know exactly from like a career standpoint standpoint or this podcast exactly like what what it's going to lead to, but I like the feeling of the direction that it's going. And with her, maybe she she probably didn't want to be in door to door sales for forever, but maybe she knew that the skills that she was learning and the certain habits and work ethic would would probably lead to something. And I think yeah. that that's a lot of times people who are younger they don't really think about the the learning component they think more about like the earning one it's like how much money can yes. i make and that's fine but i would say focus on what you're learning as well because that'll probably lead you to your next thing and you may even stumble into yeah. like a, a happy accident like you're talking about 100 that, that was her setting the stage unknowingly 
She was, because of her job as a door-to-door fax salesperson, she was setting the stage for all the ingredients, all the skills, all the stuff she was going to need later on to build this multi-billion dollar business. That set the stage for her unknowingly. And then this happy accident happens and she capitalizes on it. But you can see that the same formula was followed there. Wow. Okay. So speaking of setting the stage, you set the stage for yourself for, for maybe a couple of decades or so. And then obviously you got laid off. Let, let's hear the rest of the story. What, what ends up happening for you? Yeah. So originally my, my first instinct actually was, okay, I'll just jump back in and find another corporate job. Um, with my layoff, I got a pretty good severance package. Uh, like I said before that, I had no entrepreneurial bone in my body or didn't think I did. I was quite risk averse. So it was, uh, I just, I, I got to jump back in and, you know, within a couple of weeks, I'm sure I can find another job. Um, but it was actually my wife that convinced me, hey, you've been given a gift here. All of a sudden, you have a bunch of time on your hands. We're fine financially, right? I had my severance package. She had a good job. She's like, uh, you were kind of coasting the last few years. I'd love to see you try and do something. Bet on yourself. Real quick, everybody, I wanted to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by Henry's Coffee. It's my favorite shop in Birmingham. I go there all the time and have conversations. Actually, just like this, I just don't record them. So if you're in Birmingham, make sure to stop by. There's a couple of shops all over the place. If you're not, check them out online. And when you come here to hang out with me, we can go grab a cup. Let's hop back in. And uh, I remember always telling her, I was always a little bit envious or jealous whenever we as a company would bring in outside consultants to do like our strategy planning or leadership development. And oh man, every time a consultant came in and ran these workshops, everybody would hang off their every word. And I would be like, hey, I said the same thing in a meeting last week and, you know, (laughs) nobody listened to me, but the consultant walks in and they say it and they lay it out and everybody's like, wow, that's amazing, right? She's like, I think you would be a great consultant. And I was like, oh man, I I would love that, but that seems risky. And, uh, you know, I don't don't think I can do it. And then eventually she said, no, I want you to do it. And I want you to give it a full year so that, you know, you don't, you're not tempted to quit after three months or six months, because if you do quit, you'll always look back later in life going, I wonder if, what would have happened if I actually stuck it out? could I have built my own consulting business? Um, And if it doesn't work after a full year, you'll know, hey, I gave it a really good shot. I gave it a full year and I put everything into it. Then you can go back and find another corporate job. So that was five and a half years ago. And here I am. So I built my my one-person consulting company, Zero In, uh, put out the book, The Zero In Formula. That really took that to the next level. Another happy accident was People were knocking on my door going, hey, I, I want to start my own one-person business. Can I pick your brain? So then I started doing solopreneur coaching. I put out the book, The Accidental Solopreneur. Both of those books I didn't really plan on. I never saw myself as an author before. Both the books hit bestseller on Amazon, took both of those coaching and consulting companies to whole new levels. I'm on all, all kinds of podcasts all of a sudden. I'm doing speaking engagements. All of this was not planned. None of this was, you know, at all in my in my vision for even what I was going to do when I started. I thought I would just be a consultant. And all these opportunities and all these different happy accidents have popped up because I keep setting the stage and then I keep capitalizing on them when they come my way. So it's been it's been quite the journey and uh, a ton of fun. That's that's for sure. 
So what you're saying is your wife is the real MVP. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I owe it all to her and, her and her encouragement and words of wisdom. But I wow, mean, yeah. Having said that, you you do see that difference. There's there's lots of people who um, want to start up their own thing and they don't have the support. Maybe they don't have the support system. They don't have maybe a, a, a partner or a spouse like I do that's encouraging them and, and wanting to see them be successful. Maybe they even have friends or family members that are naysayers or like, what are you doing? Just go back and get a job. I, I was blessed to have my wife in my corner cheering me on and telling me to do it. So I, I don't for a second, um, you know, underestimate the importance of that. And, and I feel extremely blessed to have that in my corner. So, yeah, man, that, that is, that's awesome. I love that. She was like, Hey, let's do this for a year because you may be tempted to quit after three months or so. But if you go for a year, you'll, you'll likely know. And I think that's a good principle for, for all of us in life. I just think most people generally quit too early in whatever it is yeah. that they're doing and they yeah. don't, they don't see it out. hundred percent. And trust me, I was tempted several times in that first year. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't working. This is hard. I feel like a fool, like, you know, and I'd have all these sleepless nights. And even though we were fine financially, I just, it bothered me. And what if, what if I, what if I try too hard on this and I can't go back and find another job? Now I've ruined everything, you know, and all these yeah. ideas that go through your mind, but then you know, you get some clients, you see some success, it gives you some momentum, and then you keep going, and eventually it, it builds. So. Mm. Did I see that the Accidental Solopreneur book is a fable? Is that right? It is, yes. Okay. So so the first book, the, the Zero In Formula, it's just a straight uh, business book. Here's my formula when I'm working with consulting clients. Here's what I do. So in Zero In, I work with businesses. I work with leadership teams. And here's the formula I take them through. So I take people through the formula in that book. And I give examples and I give some uh, the odd story here and there from different companies I've worked with. In The Accidental Solopreneur, I thought, I'm gonna, I want to give myself a new challenge. This time I want to write something that's fiction. Still a business book, but I see you've got the, the Advantage Behind You There by Patrick yeah. Lencioni. Love Patrick Lencioni books, especially like The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, where it's a story and you learn and he's got his formula in there. But I want to write a book like that. So I found myself a good fiction editor that specializes in, in business fiction books. I had my idea in mind and I worked with the editor to really craft out the story, build tension, you know, build out uh, these different characters and, and really tell the story in a riveting way. It's basically my story, maybe 80% uh, with some names and stuff uh, changed to protect the innocent. But, uh, but I could also embellish a little more, right? Because it's a fictional story, I can add in other characters. I can add in other tension. I can, you know, uh, exaggerate certain things. And people love it. I've, I've had several people read it in like one sitting. It's a 220-page wow. book, but they're like, wow, this is my story. This was me. I was this burnt out corporate executive and I wanted to burn on, you know, bet on myself. And wow, I love the formula you've set out here. And I, and I can really relate to this character and what they're going through and how it's impacting their family and, and uh, all the different uh, components there was, it was so fun to craft that story. And then to see people resonating with it is, it's just so extremely rewarding. Mm, that's awesome. I, I, I love that people are loving the book. Here's a question. Are, 
do you ever have any do you ever see any potential red flags it, when if someone's coming to you and saying hey like i'm i'm burnt out i want to do my own thing or any caution that that you would give to people if they're start i think that might be two yeah. different questions in one but you can you yeah. can choose which one you want to go maybe cautions that you give to people but also like red flags for someone wanting yeah. to run and start their own thing the the first thing is what's their motivation so mm -hmm. a if it's hey i need money and i need, need money fast can i just start up my own coaching or consulting business uh that's a that's a caution and a red flag yeah. one if you need money tomorrow uh, building your own personal brand and starting your own business and, and building up clientele takes time. It's not a short-term game, despite a bunch of the stuff you might see on LinkedIn or Twitter or, or whatever. You can't do this in a month. You're not going to build a $10,000 a month business in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, you're one of a million options out there. If you're a coach or consultant or freelancer, you're competing with millions of other coaches, consultants, and freelancers. So it takes time. You need to build relationships. There's got to be something different or unique about you or how you do it. You probably need to have some sort of proprietary process or methodology or system. Um, otherwise, people are just buying your time. And nobody mm -hmm. wakes up in the morning and goes, hey, I think I just want to buy a couple hours of Dennis Gielan's time today. Right? Yeah. What they want is some sort of results. What they want is some sort of transformation. So you have to be very clear on what problem am I solving and why is my unique solution the solution that they need for their problem? So that, that's a huge one. If it's like, hey, I want to do this fast because I need money now, that's a problem. And the other red flag would be, okay, is it just about money? Like I do this because I absolutely just love problem solving. I love helping people. Um, on the consulting side, I love designing workshops and working with leadership teams and just the energy in the room when you're working together on stuff and ideas are coming. I love that. That energy just fuels me. On the coaching side, I love being able to help somebody design their own one-person business and then get some clients and then see some success. I feel like I've built a relationship. I feel like I've helped somebody and that's really rewarding. The money is just a byproduct. I've helped solve a problem for you. And I make a living from doing that. But the money is not my motivator. It's, it's helping you and building a relationship with you and seeing you be successful. That's my motivator. So, Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. The, the motive is a huge part about it. You're probably not going to make money really fast and a lot of it really fast if you just like quit and, and do something. And that's why I like your advice about doing something on the side for a little yeah. bit and, and learning some because it, then it would make a transition much smoother than just going yes. from zero 100%. to 100. Yeah. And that's, again, another reason why, boy, I wish I had of, you know, started this much earlier on the side when I still had my, my corporate career because I didn't know anything about branding, marketing, and sales. Like my whole corporate career was on the operations side. I started off as a software developer and then worked my way up into a manager of a software development team. And then I worked my way into project management. And then I became a director of a project management office. None of that has anything to do with branding, marketing, and sales. It's all about planning and execution and delivery. So I developed all these skills about strategy, 
and leadership and planning. And I, you know, had all kinds of different resources that I could use to work with companies and people on that. But I had no idea how to brand myself, market myself, package and sell my services. So I had to learn all that from scratch. Whereas if I had started this as a side hustle, I would have been learning those things uh, on the side and not have to be forced into learning them ASAP. Mm. When you learned all those things from scratch, was that just trying and failing or did you take some sort of course or what, what did that look like? Yeah. In the beginning, it was a lot of trial and error. And there's so much information out there. It's almost information overload. Like I read all kinds of blogs and articles. I watched YouTube videos, as much stuff as I could do for free in the beginning, because uh, I wanted to try and do it all myself. And I quickly came to the realization, I can't do it all myself. There's way too much information out there. 90% of it doesn't apply to the type of business I'm building. I need some help. So that's where I did get some coaches, uh, some mentors. I took some different courses. Uh, that were helping me really build what I needed for my business. And that's when things really started to, to take off. Okay, cool. Well, I really love your story. There's so much to learn from you. And, and I can't wait to do a little recap episode because I've just got a lot of, of thoughts to share and everything. But I really appreciate you joining me. And this podcast, it's funny because it was almost like, a quote accident, if you will, with where I even came up with the name from it. It meant something different early on, but the the wake up and lead, if you will, now really makes me just think about someone who might be asleep at the wheel of their own life or might be coasting a little bit. And so that's a lot of times what I mean when I say wake up and lead. And so I'd like my guest to tell everybody to wake up and lead when, when we there end this. Go. So if you don't mind, I'll say it's time for you and me. And then you say to wake up and lead. Sound good? Got it. All right. It's time for you and me. Wake up and lead. <laughs> Thanks, Dennis.